Welcome to another Tyrius Cast. I'm Jim McGregor. And I'm Kevin Crewell. Today we're going to discuss additional notes and findings from CES 2019. This is part two of our view of key announcements and takeaways from CES. Kevin, this was a huge show. We spent a whole week in Las Vegas meeting with companies, going to press conferences, trolling the floor. What are some other things that stood out in your mind? Well, one of the things that we didn't talk about in part one of our CES coverage was the Dell announcements, mostly focused focused on laptop PCs. There were a few other announcements there as well, but specifically the XPS 13, which may be the most perfect small laptop, is now absolutely perfect because previously the video camera that's used for video conferencing was located below the screen in what became known as nose cam territory. Now is back on top with the tiniest little camera module I've ever seen. So it fit nicely on top. There's some new colors that continue the high quality of the fit and finish of the XPS 13 with like a glass fiber woven palm rest and uh, just really became, I think, absolutely the most perfect small laptop. Then there was good Latitude 2-in-1, which also stepped up in terms of performance and capability. But the big kahuna was the Alienware Area 51M gaming laptop, which is now modular so that you can replace the CPU, the GPU, the memory, they're all upgradable components. And actually one of the funniest things I saw at CES was at a private meeting space for Dell, this YouTube blogger called Linus Tech Tips came in there, I caught in the middle of, he was tearing apart the Area 51M laptop, taking all the pieces apart to show how upgradable it was. He finishes tearing it apart on this conference room table and video recording it, and then he announces, Okay, well, we're done here. Thanks a lot, Dell. And off he left, and he left the whole thing disassembled in pieces on the table. And nobody at Dell wanted to go near it, because I don't think anybody was prepared to put it back together again. That is hilarious. I would have loved to have seen a video of that. You know, and I have to agree with you. I think the XPS, especially with moving of that camera, is now the best smaller laptop that was one thing that actually i really didn't like about the original xps loved everything else about it except that camera you know i know that we differ on this a bit i'm not convinced that the alienware area 51m is a good mode i don't think that most people are gonna upgrade their pcs i just think it's it's kind of like what we've tried to do with handsets for the past couple years i think we're just adding on gimmicks i'm not convinced that that's going to be huge most gamers, or a fair amount of them, do upgrade their systems over time. So they have a gaming laptop that you could upgrade. And and be specific, the, it uses a desktop CPU, so it's not a mobile CPU. So you, it uses a regular CPU socket from a desktop. They have a very unique cooling solution that mounts on top of the GPU. But the the GPU is a uh, the GPU comes in a very custom proprietary Dell module. It uses NVIDIA graphics today, and hopefully NVIDIA will continue to support them on this. I still think there's a chance some people will upgrade over time, but yeah, it's probably only a very few of them, and you got to be very careful to do it correctly. Uh, otherwise, you don't put it back together correctly after you've upgraded. You're gonna have a subpar performance if uh, the thermal solutions don't actually work. And doesn't that assume that you have pin compatibility on both the CPU and GPU from generation to generation? That doesn't happen all the time. Well, on the GPU, it's a module, so certainly could be upgraded. I think what you may miss is some of the upgradable I.O. 
features. I believe this still use PCI Gen 3 and you'll miss out on Gen 4, but that may or may not be that important. Okay. Well, and Dell wasn't the only one announcing some new PCs. Obviously, HP, Lenovo, and others were there. I was really impressed also with the HP OLED Spectre laptop. Very nice, really cool design with the USB-C port kind of in the back corner of it. Really bright OLED display and really sleek design. A little bit bigger than the XPS, obviously, so different class. But it was a very, very nice PC as well. They can draw more power if you have a bright display. In other words, a bright, bright images on display will burn more power than dark images. So if you choose the right display mode and you focus mostly on darker backgrounds and dark mode in windows, you know, it won't be a problem, but it can be if you do a lot of stuff with bright whites on your display. And obviously displays were a huge part of CES. I mean, we talked about the roll-up LG TV with the OLED display. They had, just about everyone had curved displays for gaming PCs this year. Not to mention the wall by Samsung. It was a 219-inch TV. You know, also on the gaming side of things, HP had a 65-inch monitor with a built-in soundbar that is part of a trend of these large monitor displays that are basically full-size TVs that people are trying to game with or using it for over-the-top video services. More and more of those are showing up. I don't know how big a market segment that is, but they are kind of interesting. It is. Uh, also, we noticed that most of the new gaming PCs were using NVIDIA GPUs, so that they were definitely, NVIDIA was kind of a big winner here at CES. Yeah, I think Jensen said they had over 40 designs, their latest RTX family of products. So a lot of 2080s and 2070 GTX, uh, RTX, you say, laptop design. So mostly for gaming. Now, video wasn't the only thing. I mean, there was a huge focus on audio with this show as well. Traditionally, we've seen, you know, hearables kind of go in and out. We saw a lot of new earbuds and headphones, a lot of them using Qualcomm technology. But we also saw some really cool technology, especially around the adoption of Dolby Atmos. NXP, for one, was showing off in their demo booth use of their iDot MXM processor to replace the DSP and other chips to really create a lower-cost solution. For example, instead of having a anywhere from five to $1,500 soundbar with Dolby Atmos, they were able to bring the cost down significantly to where it's more in the range of a traditional soundbar, which is, you know, anywhere from 299 to 399 And really impressive noise cancellation, audio support, and everything else. Matter of fact, they showed a demo where they had this soundbar just completely cranked up. And not only was it doing noise cancellation, but they were using Amazon Alexa with a whisper. The guy was whispering from a corner of the room. I couldn't even hear him. And Alexa, and the soundbar picked up Alexa. It was incredible. Yeah, that, that's actually the uh, i.mx8m. Software behind that is a company called DSP Concepts that runs on the i.mx8m and can do that amazing quality of, of uh, sound cancellation, even with Atmos, which is difficult to do because Atmos has six or more speakers actively projecting. So canceling the Alexa voice or canceling the projection of the sound for Alexa recognition for two speakers is easy to do, but for six or more is very difficult to do. So that's actually the power of NXP processor to do that. Another cool application of the NXP technology was 
a light switch from Leviton that had built-in Alexa support. It had a little speaker, it had two microphones, and a i.mx processor built into the light, the wall light switch such that you could access Alexa even in any room that has even the space for a light switch. So I thought that was cool. It is. It was, you know, the visual and audio experience was definitely a key focus of CES. But we couldn't talk about CES without talking about automotive. Over half the press conferences were focused on automotive, mostly on where it's going. And a lot of the focus was shifted back from the level four, level five autonomy to the level two and three ADAS. But it was such a big part of the show from the technology to the cars to everything. And it's showing how difficult it is. Meeting with companies like Visteon, we found out that you know these tier one equipment vendors really are struggling to find the right pairing of technology for each OEM. In fact, they're often having to do multiple solutions. Visteon has kind of a two-part solution. One is a cockpit solution, one is the systems control solution, and they have interchangeable boards for each one. For the for the systems control, they supported an NXP solution, an NVIDIA solution, and one from Renaissance. And in the cockpit, they had NXP, Renaissance, Qualcomm, and MediaTek. And then they had application layers basically to abstract the hardware from the software. Now, I think eventually the OEM is going to probably get rid of that abstraction layer and really get down to the silicon so you have full advantage of the silicon and what the uh, features and functions of those solutions can do. But it shows how difficult it is to plan for that. Matter of fact, some of the car equipment OEMs are not only developing their own systems, but they're even trying to develop their own autonomous vehicle concepts. So it's really interesting to see how Everyone's trying to support different solutions and go in different directions. What did you see? Well, actually, yeah, we talked to Vision, we talked to Continental. Uh, almost all the car manufacturers, uh, well, not manufacturers, but the tier one vendors, which are the major suppliers to the automotive manufacturers, and that's like Delphi as well and Vallejo, they're all struggling to try to keep up with the silicon vendors they have to work with. It depends on so many factors which solution a car manufacturer wants which vendor they want to work with so it's a challenge for all these tier one companies to build a limited number of platforms that doesn't get out of control but at the same time satisfy the needs of their customers the automobile manufacturers that's been a challenge for them but even that vistian module the uh, cockpit module and the safety module which which uh, controls the ADAS or autonomous features of the car, even that model could change over time. It could morph into one giant module that does everything. Some functions such as the radio functions uh, or the OTA uh, cellular connections, those are often a separate module still, uh, but you could imagine on some cars that could roll into the cockpit module being that the cockpit module is closer to the roof. There are so many trade-offs in these designs that it keeps these tier one manufacturers constantly innovating, which is a challenge for them, but at the same time, gives a lot of variety to the market. And we saw a lot from the technology vendors at the show. NXP was showing off some of their latest technology, like the iDot MX8 Quad. This is an applications processor that can support 
basically four different instances, four different operating systems, four different displays. It's basically built-in redundancy and reliability into a solution. Yeah, and I think you also saw Qualcomm doing something similar. They're adding more and more capability on top of their Snapdragon product line. They'll have a specific series of products for automotive that they are rolling out. We saw a lot of Qualcomm for cockpit display controllers, but uh, they are also getting into the... uh, safety critical systems as well. Exactly. And we saw MediaTek um, starting to make a play for some of those cockpit systems. It's kind of interesting to see both Qualcomm and MediaTek vying for those. You know, they're the two big Android guy, Android vendors for the smartphone. Uh, so it kind of makes sense that they're really the user interface solution of choice at this point. For uh, Samsung, which owns Harman, they're going to be pushing the uh, Exynos processors into those spaces as well. One other vendor that's uh, vying for space in automotive is Xilinx. They're uh, making some significant process. They had an announcement with uh, ZF at CES. Not necessarily a big announcement yet, but uh, we know they're making good progress with a a number of safety systems and uh, also radar systems in automotive. And we couldn't talk about automotive technology without talking about NVIDIA. They've made a huge play in this segment, working with a lot of the tier ones and OEMs for various platforms with their Drive.px solutions. Yeah, they announced a partnership with Mercedes-Benz. Mercedes-Benz wants them to be the center of their development work on autonomous. And it's interesting because a lot of these guys, some of these guys aren't just taking the NVIDIA solution kind of as a canned solution. They're sometimes just taking the NVIDIA chipsets and creating their own solution. So there's a lot of different variation out there. Yeah, you know, some of the more autonomous controls using NVIDIA stuff uses the very high-end GPUs. And then not always do they use the NVIDIA Tegra-based solution. Sometimes they mix the NVIDIA GPUs with other SOC manufacturers. But NVIDIA's booth in the North Hall was loaded with modules that are going into production fairly soon, including specifically a Volvo uh, module that uses the NVIDIA platform. Yeah, that's kind of a summary of the major themes of CES. But real quickly, we're going to do a round-robin kind of lightning attack on some of the other cool stuff we saw at CES. Some of it may just be hype, but some cool stuff. You go first, Kevin. Well, we stumbled across at uh, one of the pre-events called CES Unveiled, a group of people from Japan doing commercial lunar exploration on an autonomous vehicle that will, well, not just autonomous, I think it's more radio-controlled vehicle that will drive on the moon. They plan on launching it to the moon next year, I think 2020. And they hope to beam back pictures and sell sponsorships. They are uh, trying to commercialize space in in, in an interesting way. It's a bit of a, a social media way, but this could be a whole new area of exploration for uh, companies to fund space research. Yeah, that was iSpace. There was also Solar Cow. This is a company that actually has this cow-shaped solar battery charger, and they're actually putting it into schools in kind of developing countries to encourage kids to come to school because they can get a charged battery pack, take it home, use it at home, and bring it back the next day. And they're really trying to encourage kids to stay in school and not get sucked into you know, other work or other activities. So that was, it was different. It was obviously an interesting concept. It's called Solar Cow. That is interesting. I, there were a few projects that benefited, you know, third world countries and such that were at the show, which is not what you normally expect to see at CES. 
The stuff you normally expect to see, yes, it's kind of the goofy stuff, like the autonomous suitcase, which was a suitcase with uh, that was self-powered and would follow you wherever you go, uh, standing about three feet behind you. So as you walk through an airport or something like that, the suitcase would, would follow you behind. It looked kind of silly, actually, but it was uh, something you saw at one of these goofy things. Last year, one of the goofy things like that was a, a suitcase you could ride around. It had a motor in it as well, but you would ride it like it was a scooter. Oh, they were there this year. It's a $2,000 scooter. I saw it. There was also a lot of fall monitoring stuff. People trying to create different ways of monitoring, you know, mostly elderly or disabled people from if they fall. You know, anything from night lights to tennis shoes to other wearable solutions. A lot of different ways to monitor people. Yeah, uh, one of the interesting things I, th- I saw, and this was also one of the buzzes, uh, CES in the North Hall, was this Bell Aerospace autonomous taxi, flying taxi, I should say, had six giant rotors. The thing was massive, could hold four passengers and one pilot, although the ultimate goal is to eliminate the pilot and make it autonomous. The drive of it is the electric motors that drive the big turbines, uh, big fans, but the power is generated in a hybrid mode. There's a, a jet engine generator in the tail and some battery storage. Not all the details are worked out yet, but it certainly caught everybody's eye at the North Hall and became quite a talking point. It was just absolutely massive and black and kind of looked something out of a future Blade Runner automotive taxi. Yeah, it kind of reminded me of that movie with the blue people. What was it? Oh, oh, I know what you're talking about. Um, Avatar. Avatar. It looked like something out of Avatar. And actually, the, the fans tilted too as well, which is very similar to the Avatar attack uh, helicopter, sort of. Yeah, I can't wait to see the price tag on that thing. <laughs> uh, voice translation was also huge this year in anything from hearables to you name it. Being able to do you know translation between languages, that was a huge topic this year. Although most of it was all done in the cloud. So whether it was your hearables or it was your smart speaker or whatever, pretty much of it was all a cloud solution. There was a huge presence by Google. They had a big pavilion called Hey Google and they were scattered throughout the show. They had these people dressed up in these kind of weird outfits, like white with a white beanie on them. Then you could ask them about uh, Google support on the device, as well as Alexa had a uh, significant presence. They had a whole hall of devices that run Alexa, some from Google, uh, sorry, some from Amazon and some from thir- most from third parties. But that was definitely a uh, battle between those two for the cloud-based voice recognition. Yeah, they definitely proved that you can put voice recognition on anything. Like I said, the light switch from the NXP booth was, uh, I I thought, amazing. Well, I think that pretty much covers CES 2019. So on that note, I think we'll do another wrap on a Tyrius cast. And Tyrius Research, for your information, is a market research and advisory firm that provides custom research and advice to the entire high-tech ecosystem from sensors to the cloud. This includes custom market sizing, product and company competitive analysis, M&A evaluations, product and corporate strategic planning, and marketing strategies. Please visit our website at www.tiriasresearch.com or contact one of our analysts. We also keep up to with us on social media, the at Tirius Research site, or specifically at Crewell, K-R-E-W-E-L-L for me, and 
at Tech Strategist, that's T-E-K Strategist, for Jim McGregor. Thanks for joining us, and hopefully you enjoyed our show. Any feedback would be welcome.